Let me ask you a question here this morning, kind of get things started. And the question is this, have you ever been at a place in your life where you just feel like you need something fresh? In other words, you, you, you get to a place in your life where life maybe is just sort of blah. Has anybody ever been there with me? Yeah, I know I've, I've been there. Uh, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in that place of, I, I, don't, I, I, I tried to think of a very intelligent word to describe what I'm talking about, and I came up with blah, okay? I, I wanted to sound very academic, and I bring to you today blah, right? I, I just, I mean, that's as creative as I could get because I think that really describes a lot of times where we find ourselves. right? We have sort of everything we need. Life is going okay, and we really can't put our finger on any reason why we might feel blah, but we find ourselves there. We find ourselves just sort of looking at life, and, and it's in those moments that we begin to wonder, you know, is this it? Is this everything? I mean, is this, is this all that we have? And and, and, and it's in those moments, it's in that place that we begin to maybe sense a little dryness in our spiritual walk. We begin to find ourselves sort of distance. It's not that we're in despair. It's not that we're discouraged or depressed. It's just that we just find ourselves at a place where we are dry and we just don't really know what the next big thing for us might be as if there could be something that's bigger than what we're experiencing now, but that's where we so often find ourselves. And so in that moment, we begin to say things like, man, I'm just tired. Have you ever been there? I'm just tired. I'm just tired of, of life. Or, or maybe you just say, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm just not, not motivated. I'm just less motivated than I normally am. And we find ourselves saying, maybe I'm just less encouraged by things going on in our life. And it's it's a place I believe that every one of us come to from time to time in our life, and oftentimes we can find ourselves periodically sort of finding ourselves in that place. And I know, I know uh, for me personally, I find myself there where it's just a place of, of just blah, and I, just, I, don't, I don't really know what's next. And I know for our staff, our staff deal with that. In fact, me and Spence were just talking about it as we were preparing for this week's message. You know, we were just talking about how often we find ourselves in that place. And if we're just real with ourselves, we would acknowledge that. We would acknowledge that just every time we think about life, life isn't just glorious and wonderful. Sometimes it's just blah, right? And so we find ourselves there, and we find ourselves sort of wondering what's next. And, and I think about that, and even though, uh, even though in that place we find ourselves there periodically and uh, it seems like life might just be sort of routine and we just got to kind of press through it. It can also be a very dangerous place to be. It can be a very dangerous place to be because it's in that place that if we're not careful, we can stray away from God. We, it's in that place of just sort of normalcy that we find ourselves just sort of, you know, throwing the Bible on the shelf or maybe spending less time praying to God and suddenly our spiritual walk just begins to suffer, and so uh, that's that's what I want to kind of look at this morning as we finish up this this uh, this series together this morning. I want to invite you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter twenty-four. To Joshua chapter twenty-four. This is this is a story where Joshua sort of ending. Uh, or, or coming to the end of his life. And in fact, it's just a little beyond where we're gonna be looking at today where it says that he, he passed on from this earth. He was 110 years old. 
And uh, man, I, I just don't even, I can't even imagine 110. Uh, I feel that way today, but I, I can't imagine, you know, 110. But, but anyway, he passes on. But this is all happening just before uh, he gets to that place. And it, it's really amazing because this morning, as we look at this unlikely hero named, I guess you guessed it by now, Joshua, uh, we look at Joshua, maybe Joshua is someone who we don't really necessarily count as an unlikely hero. And the reason that is is because Joshua is uh, or was one of the greatest military leaders of his day. And so if you're looking for a hero, he might actually be one that you would turn to, right? I mean, he was, he was a guy who was, who was uh, very much a, a, a powerful leader for Israel. He was a, he was a, um, a, a, a military leader for them. And, and we look at this, and, but what we remember is that, that Joshua was uh, one who led the people of Israel across the Jordan River when, when Moses, when he, uh, right before he passed away, he passed the baton on to Joshua. And so Joshua becomes the guy who, who leads the people of Israel across the Jordan River and they begin to take possession of, uh, of the promised land, that land which God had promised them years before. And so he's, he's sort of that guy now. He's the one. He's the leader. He's the one taking them across. And we read the story of Joshua, and we begin to see that for the next seven years or more, really, he, uh, he led this campaign uh, to really conquer the promised land, uh, to go up against God's enemies. And, and, and so this is the guy that we're there we're looking away, but I think one of the most amazing attributes or qualities of Joshua, or one of the greatest takeaways that I take away from looking at this man this morning, is his rock-solid faith in God. One of the things that you notice in this man is that he has this amazing faith that just seems to to just, man, it just is something that I admire, and we look at him, and we just see this. I don't know if you remember, but if we go all the way back to, to Numbers, we, we see where Joshua was one of the 12 spies that were sent out into the promised land to kind of take a, a recon mission, to go out and see what was out there. And when these 12 spies returned, there were 10 of them that says, man, we don't need to go into the promised land. There are some giants over there. Those people are military warriors, and we'll get slaughtered if we go. But there was two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who said, no, this is what God's called us to do. Let's go. And as we know, the story goes, they didn't go. They didn't, they didn't press in. But now, Joshua has led the people. He's one, he's one who, who the baton was passed on to. He led the people. They, 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 they took possession of the land which God had promised them. And so, all of this has sort of taken place. And so, we look at this, and, and one of the things that I just sort of identify in this man is this rock-solid faith that he had in God. He truly believed that every move he made, everything that he was doing, he was doing it for God, and he believed that in his weakness, he had the strength of God on his side. He believed that in his, in his lack of power, that he could depend on God's power. And he knew, he believed with all assurance in the presence of God in their life. He just, he just believed that wherever they went, God was there with them. And so he was this incredible man of faith. And so let's look at this this morning. I want to start with Joshua chapter 24, starting with verse 1, and we're going to walk through this here this morning. We're going to continue to read and just read, uh, I, I would say, the entire Old Testament here this morning together. No, I'm, I'm kidding. We don't have time for that. So read this with me, if you will. 
So it says in Joshua 24, starting with verse 1, that Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. I think that's interesting to me. I'll just kind of stop right there for a moment. I, I don't really have anything. I didn't prepare to say anything about this, but I will. Um, I think it's interesting that they're gathering for a meeting, but they presented themselves before God. And, and so I, I really, I like that because they're, they're, they, they haven't forgotten God. They haven't gotten to a place where they, they don't trust God. And in fact, they're worshiping God, it seems to me, as they gather together to hear what it is that Joshua has to say to them. And it says in verse two, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So he's speaking for the Lord at this point. He's, he's declaring to the people of Israel what God has to say. And so this great leader, this man, this unlikely hero that has led God's people for so long, he's about to give them what he believes God wants them to hear, okay? And so he says this. He says, long ago, your fathers, they lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah and the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. And then I took your father Abraham beyond the river and I led him through all the land of Canaan and he made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards, look at this. this. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. He says, and afterwards, I brought you out. Now, I wanna, I wanna just kind of stop right there for a moment because, because I think this is interesting. And I, I love what Joshua is doing here as he's speaking to the leadership of Israel. He's speaking to uh, the, the nation, if you will. He, he, he's declaring to them some some amazing things, I believe. But one of the things I love about what's happening here is the fact that he declares, that the Lord declares, he says, I brought you out of Egypt. And so he is saying to them, I'm responsible for your rescue. I'm responsible for your redemption. You, you know, Israel had been in prison. They'd been enslaved for many, many years with Egypt and Egypt being the ones who mastered over them, and uh, we don't have time to really go back and revisit the whole story, the whole Exodus story, but, but what's happening now is that many years later, God is reminding them of some incredible things that he has done in their past. He's reminding them of things that they have seen God do in their midst. And so here we see something that is, is really incredible and, and as we really just continue to read through this over the next seven or so verses, Joshua continues to remind the people of, of the great things that God has done for them. We read through here and, and we see where he reminds them how God delivered them in the midst of, uh, of a dire circumstance when Egypt was bearing down upon them 
and God parted the Red Sea and they were able to cross over on dry ground and, and then God closed up the Red Sea and, and destroyed the Egyptian army that was in pursuit of them. And so he says, man, if you've ever seen the power of God, that was a moment where you saw the power of God in your life. And he continues to remind them of all the spiritual battles that even as they went into the promised land, God was using, was, was right there with them and he was conquering the enemies. And, and, and the, the passages, just the verses continue to just give us all these different people, people that, that God was, was, was moving out of the way that they could, they could take possession of this promised land. And then he reminds them that it was uh, the land in which God had promised to them, this promise that God had made to them was, to, was delivered to them. And so we see where as we read this passage that, that Joshua is, is basically speaking for the Lord and he says to them, this people of Israel, he says to them, you need to remember not only who I am, but what I have accomplished for you. And I think there's a real purpose in why he is presenting this to them in this moment in their life. And he says, he says, don't you remember God even gave you the land that he had promised? In verse 13, we'll read this verse. He says, and I gave you, this is the Lord speaking or, or Joshua speaking on behalf of the Lord. He says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built and you dwelled in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So God wants them to be very much aware that this is all because of the sovereignty of God that they have taken possession of this land that they has been promised to them. And it's not by their own efforts. It's not by their own works. It's not even by their own military might that they have taken possession of this. It is God's doing. And so God is bringing this message to them. And Joshua just wants to remind the people of God of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Now, what we need to be aware of is that these were very exciting times for Israel. Remember, they're living the life of prosperity and hope. Uh, they had been a people group a while back that was enslaved, but now they have, uh, they have conquered the land. They have taken possession. They're, they're reaping the rewards and the blessings of God. It's a time of, of hope and prosperity and blessing. Life was good. But here's what we all know is that in those moments, that can become a dangerous place for us if we're not careful. It can become a very dangerous place for us if we're not careful. And I believe that the reason that God is presenting to them to remember this challenge to remember who it is that brought them to where they are and how it is that they got there is because he wants to challenge them to not give up on remembering this very important truth for their life. And so here he is presenting this to them, and, and we see that, that this can be a very dangerous place, or at least God certainly thinks it could be a very dangerous place for them to be. The danger is forgetting how they got there. That's where the danger lies, forgetting how they got there. And the danger is falling into a place of complacency or contentment or self-satisfaction. All of these things that can spring up when we get very comfortable and when we get to a place where there's prosperity and hope. 
I mean, most people don't come charging into my office during the week and say, I just got to tell you what a blessing my life is. I, I don't ever get that. I wish you would from time to time. I, I would love to hear how God's moving in your life. What I get is when their life is falling apart, the wheels have come off the wagon, they come in, please help us. You know, we're, our, our life is falling apart. And so, you know, it, it's funny how in the times of prosperity, in the time of, of hope, in the time when times are good, that we just sort of seem to forget that you know, God's still in control and things can go away and we need to be offering blessings and thanksgivings to God for bringing us to a place that we find when we find ourselves in that place of hope and prosperity and blessing. And so here we see where, where they're at this place. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time for them. Uh, each tribe has received their inheritance and they have settled down and they are enjoying life a little bit but it can be a very dangerous place. And so in the midst of this, Joshua stands up. He stands up and he delivers this final challenge to the people. Now I wanna read this final challenge to you, and, and actually it's a whole lot of verses here, but we're, we're just gonna kind of center in on verses 14 and 15 for just a moment. So look at this with me. So Joshua's still speaking and he says, he has said, all this is, you know, what God has done in your life. This is where God has brought us. God is the one responsible. And then he says this in verse 14 and 15. He says, now, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your father served beyond the river, talking about the river Euphrates and, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And then he says this, and if it is evil in your sights to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But now look at what Joshua says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will will serve the Lord. So here's what Joshua does. He says, you remember where God has brought us? You remember all the great, incredible things that God has done in our life? And here we find ourselves at a crossroads. We find ourselves at a place where we could get really comfortable and think that all this that we have is based off of our own achievements in this world. We could get to this place and we could just sort of give up on God and we could get to this place and we could get very comfortable, you know, in all this. But he says to them, he says, if that's where you want to go in your life, then you go. But, and I love this, Joshua says, as for me and my house, in other words, they've come to this conclusion, as for me and my house, we have chosen to remain faithful to God. We will serve God. We will stay with him because I've seen too much and I know too much about who he is. And I love that. He's basically given testimony of how God has has just done such incredible things in their midst. And Joshua says, I, I've just seen it with my own eyes. I've, I've witnessed it. I've been a part of it. God has got me. And I believe this is that rock-solid faith that he has. He says, I just believe more than anything else in the world that God is the one responsible for everything that we have. And I will not abandon him. I will not even forget him in a moment or a time of prosperity and hope and blessing. 
I know things are going well, but I will not forget my God. What an incredible, challenging message that he brings to the Lord's people. You know, I know summer can be an excellent time to recharge our batteries. How many of you look forward to that every year? Here, here's, here's who I hear from most of all during this time is teachers, yeah, right? I, teachers, they, they're like, man, I can't wait for graduation. You know, it's like they need to recharge those batteries. We all need that, though, don't we? Our kids get out of school. We plan our vacations. We plan our times away. Summer can be a time where we, where we get away and we recharge our batteries. It can be a great time to, to rest and relax. It can be a great time of, of renewal for us. And, and like I said, we all need that. But we also need to be careful because summer can also be a time where if we're not careful, we put our spiritual walk just on the shelf. And we just sort of wait till things get back to normal, don't we, before we pick up where we left off with God. Summer can be a time where we find ourselves just sort of, you know, relaxing for a bit. It turns into three months of just not spending time with God, doesn't it? It can be a time where if we're not careful, we just sort of, we sort of move away from what is normal and we, we use the excuse of just relaxing and resting and, and, and recharging our batteries and, 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 and suddenly God's, you know, spending time with God just doesn't seem as important. I read what's happening here in this passage and it almost seems to me that that's what Joshua was saying. He says, listen, you know, there, there, times are good and there's nothing wrong with times being good, but we must be careful not to forget our Father. We, we must be careful not to forget our Lord and our Savior. We must be careful not to give up on our spiritual walk. You know, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves having and enjoying everything that we need but the power and the presence and the provision of God in our life. We can find ourselves just sort of living out our summer days, enjoying life, and missing out on maybe what God wants to do in our hearts if we're not careful. I'm not saying that happens to everybody. I'm just saying that if we're not careful, that's where it can go. Joshua realizes this, and he realizes that's exactly where they are, and no doubt uh, it's a time for them to enjoy what God has provided, but he challenges them to remember several things. I want to give you these this morning. I want to give you these things that he, and we'll just kind of fly through these here. But the first thing that, that Joshua does is he, he challenges them never to forget the power of God in your life. Never forget the power of God in your life. One of the things that Joshua mentions here is the deliverance from Egypt by the parting of the Red Sea. He, he, you know, if, if you want to see a display of God's power in your life, that's certainly a pretty big one, isn't it? To just see that. But I, I recognize that most of us in here today didn't, I don't know if there's any of us old enough to have been there. Were you, were you there when, I mean, we have the word of our heroes of our faith, but, but we weren't there. So that's not how we saw the power of God in our life. I know for me personally, just salvation is, is, is recognizing the power of God in my life. But all through my life, and I've lived enough to where I've seen different moments where God just by his power did incredible things. I've seen marriages put back together. 
You know, I remember I mentioned a while ago, people walking in and the wheels have come off. I've seen God do incredibly powerful things in marriages and, and completely bring marriages back together. I've seen God just do incredible things. And so here, one of the things that he reminds us is, is the reality that, that God is all-powerful and that we should never forget the power of God in our life. He, he oftentimes fights our battles for us, doesn't he? And so here we see this. I love what 1 Chronicles 29, 11 says. It reminds us of God's power when it says this. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power of the glory and the victory and in the majesty for all that is the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Let me ask you a question here this morning. How have you seen God's power work in your life? And maybe you might say to me this morning, you might say, well, Pastor David, it's been a while. But you saw it one day, didn't you? You saw it at some point in your life. And so when you find yourself in that place where things seem to be dry, it does the body good, it does the soul good when we remember the power of God in our life. One of the most renewing things that we can do today is to contemplate on how God has moved in our past. One of the most renewing things that we can do today is to contemplate those things that God has done in our past. The second thing I wanna offer to you, and I believe that Joshua was doing here, is he, he, he says, never forget the presence of God in your life. And so you, you know that God is all-powerful, but he's also faithful with his presence. And so here we see where Joshua reminds the people of Israel uh, about God's faithfulness and presence with them every step of the way. He, he, he begins to list all these places, all these battles that they fought, all these people that they went up against. And as he mentions this, he says, you remember, as we went here, God was with us. 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 In fact, when we went here and here and here and everywhere, God was with us. And so there's this reminder of the faithfulness of God's presence in our life. And so he says to them, never forget the power of God and never forget the presence of God in your life. And I love how he goes even all the way back to Abraham, the father of Abraham, beyond the Euphrates, he says here. He goes all the way back to where God called Abraham to go to a place that he didn't have any clue about where he was going. And we see this remarkable man of faith. This is another one that we could have looked at, Abraham, who left and he went out. And so he went out not knowing where he was going, but he just trusted God. But here's one of the things that we know, that Abraham and so many others believed and they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt is that God's presence was with them. Always God's presence was with them. Psalm 1611 says this, says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that, just talking about the presence and the fullness of life in God's presence and the reality that when we are near to him, when we are near to him, our pleasures are forevermore. Exodus 33, 14 says this, my presence, God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. One of the most reassuring truths that we have from God 
one of the reassuring promises that we have from God is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful truth? But isn't it amazing how when we find ourselves in that place, we can forget that truth? We begin to wonder, did God leave us to do this by ourselves, Or we begin to convince ourselves that maybe God doesn't care anymore. We begin to we begin to tell ourselves all these things that just simply aren't true because God's word points to the reality that God's presence with his children is always there. And then finally, the last thing that I want to point out here is this, is not only should we never forget the power of God in your life or the presence of God, but we should never forget the provision of God in your life. You know, what's interesting is that they were all partakers. Israel was partakers in God's grace. They were partakers. They, God was extending his grace in their life, the provision of grace. God provided for them every step of the way. And one interesting thing about God's provision to me as we look into Scripture, uh, it, it's most recognized in the midst of desperation. Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's funny how in the midst of desperation, when we find ourselves sort of desperate, it's in that moment that we cry out to God and God provides and he becomes a God of provision, which he always is. He's always meeting our needs. And so it's in that moment that we see God provided. God made a way. He made a path. And so in this path, we give glory to God. We celebrate God. We thank God. We praise God for the provision that he's given us. And we saw all that in our desperation, when we were desperate, we cried and he gave and we see it. But in our prosperity, and our blessing, we're not even looking for provision from God. We're not recognizing. And so the provision of God becomes cloudy. The provision of God becomes less noticeable when we find ourselves there. But in our desperation, in our desperation, we cry out for it, don't we? And what's beautiful about who our God is, is that he is a God of provision. He's a God of provision. We don't know how. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know how he's going to work this out. We know in our own strength we can't. And yet he does. And he will. And it's such a beautiful thing. Philippians 4, 19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now Paul is speaking to the Philippians and he says, my God, the God I believe in, the God of truth, the Father of truth, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, my Lord, my Savior, he will provide every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Speaking of unlikely heroes, what about the unlikely hero who was a carpenter from Galilee? One who came to die on a cross for you and me. Would you ever expect a carpenter from Galilee to be your savior? Man, there's, the Bible's just so full of unlikely heroes. That's the greatest of them, all, of them all. But we must never forget the provision of God in our life. You know, I, I look at that and I, and I believe that we all need to be reminded of the things that Joshua was reminding to the people of Israel. We, we need to understand that there's, uh, and know that there's no greater time for a man and a woman to remember 
these things than when they surrender to God's calling in their life. For the, every one of us, as we, as we live out our life and we try to discover what it is that God is maybe calling for us to accomplish for his glory, the calling that he, you know, we, we all know as believers he's given us certain gifts and we all wonder, well, where does that take us? What does that do for us? Where do we go with that? What, do, what is it that we, how is it that we share with the world? And, and, and oftentimes in our calling, we begin to really doubt that we have the ability to do it. Again, forgetting the power of God. Again, preventing, uh, or forgetting the presence of God and the provision of God. I can't tell you how many of us have thought about how, you know, God is calling us to a particular thing and we wonder how would we ever afford that? How would we ever have our needs met for that? You know, I think uh, for missionaries and for church planners, it's probably one of the most difficult things to consider when they step out on faith to do what they believe God has called them to do. You know, we, we, we as church planners, and I know I've been there, we as church planners, as missionaries, uh, you know, people who know beyond a shadow of a doubt God's called you out to go and do something, one of the things that we have to remind ourselves over and over and over is the power of God, the presence of God, and the provision of God. We have to remind ourselves of those three things because if we don't, we'll just self-destruct. We have to believe that God is gonna provide a way for us to accomplish that which he has called us to do. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Over the last couple of years, Gabe and Callie Bailey have been serving alongside us here at Cross Point Church, and they've been serving faithfully and, and, and just in a remarkable way. And one of the things that we realized is that a couple of years ago, they, they surrendered to church planting. And so we all knew that that day would come when they would probably be heading off and they would be surrendering and, and, uh, and, and, and no doubt as they make that step that they would have to think about and consider these three things. This morning, I wanna invite them up here on the stage. Gabe and Callie, if y'all would come on up here uh, because I want to end this service this morning by them just sort of offering an, a testimony of what God is doing in their life. I wanna uh, give them an opportunity to just explain what God is, is doing in their life. And we celebrate that today because this is God's story. This is, this is what God is doing in their life. And, and, and we all we can do is be faithful and all we can do is, is pray and all we can do is surrender to a holy and righteous God who is doing remarkable things among us. But we have to remember that God is sovereign, that God is in control and and so we come to moments like this where they share their story of all these things. And so I'm gonna just pa pass it over to you guys. And Absolutely. We, we've seen God move in our life in those three ways. Over the last two years, we've, we've known God has called us to church planning. We've been prayerful uh, just in seeking that and trying to discern where God wants us. And a, a little, about a year and a half ago, we actually visited Savannah, Georgia. And that was one of the places we were praying about church planning in. And we really felt God kind of working in our hearts in that city. But then we also got to visit Boston. And so we fell in love with Boston. And we, were, we believed that's where God wanted us. And we were ready to sell everything and move to Boston and plant a church and reach people up there. But this past January, God allowed some events to happen in our life that totally redirected us. 
And in that moment, and it was actually one of the hardest moments of our life up until this point, this past January, it was in that difficulty we see, we got to see God's power. We got to see his power, we got to see his presence, we felt his presence, and we got to see his provision. And as God closed the doors for Boston, God reopened the doors for Savannah. And in January, we really started praying about church planting in Savannah and what that looked like. And we felt like God has given us a vision and a mission to plant a church, Mosaic Church, in Savannah, Georgia. And we're so excited about that. We're so excited about what God has done in our lives to this moment and what God will do. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that believes in sending. Because that's a core value of Cross Point Church, to connect, grow, serve, and send. And if we don't send, then we are just a bunch of Christians hanging out. And so we must be a church that sends. And this is a beautiful thing. Even though it might be bittersweet, it is a beautiful thing of what God has done. And we're, we're excited about that. And so God has given us a vision to reach uh, and plant a church in Savannah. And, and uh, we're so uh, thankful for that. Um, and I know many of you will ask, well, do you get to take our children? Uh, yes, we're, we'll be able to move to Savannah with them. Uh, that was one of the closed doors that we knew that, hey, Boston just isn't what God wants for us. And so if you're here today and, and if you know our family and if you've prayed for our family, I just want to say thank you. It's not lost on me that many people love me and Callie and my two children. And we are forever grateful, forever blessed for every moment God has allowed us to be in this place. The last eight years have been so special to Callie and myself. And so I just want to, Cross Point Church, I just want to say thank you for allowing us. Yeah. for allowing us to love on the students and the college students of this church and of the city. Pastor David, I just wanna say thank you to you and your leadership. It is an honor to be, to serve alongside of you and under you and to be sent out by you. Amen. And we love you and Linnell very, very much. And in these moments when, when, when they're sending, a lot of times we're like, okay, God, what's next? And that's one of the big things. We, we, there's a lot of unknowns for us. And we're, so we're gonna encourage you to continue to pray for us and partner with us. And you being a part of Cross Point Church is supporting us as we plant in Savannah. And so I just wanna encourage you to keep doing that. But then as you do that, I, I want you just to be encouraged. God is providing people for this place. As we leave, God is already orchestrating the next man and woman to come and lead the students and college students here at Cross Point Church. And we're so excited about the future and what God is going to do. We, we remember what he has done and we're gonna continue to be faithful and trust that he will continue and he will do it again. So Cross Point Church, we just wanna say thank you and we love you guys. This morning, uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is just have a time of prayer for them. And so I know in talking with Gabe, he said we would just love to really just pray 
at the end of the service. And so we want to do that with them. Next week, we're actually going to bring them up and send them out. We're not going to do that today. We've got another Sunday with them. But I just want us to pray for them. And so as we come to that last song and that time of response, you know, uh, if you want to come and join them down here on the front row and pray with them, then, then you do that. You come and pray with them. If you want to remain in your seat and just lift up your prayers and ask God to be a God of power in their life, to be a God of presence in their life, to be a God of provision in their life, be faithful and do that. Let's pray for them. I know that planning a church is a very difficult endeavor. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? With God, are all, all things are possible. And here's what I know, that they are convinced that this is God's calling for their life. I would love to go ahead and share with you the, the exciting things about our family ministry and the, the additions that we have coming in. I mean, we've been working for a while on that, uh, even, even Gay being a part of that process. And so we have some things to announce, but that's not for today. This is for today, to pray for them, to love on them, to just say thank you to them as we get ready to send them out. And we just honor God and what he's doing in this place and what he's going to do in Savannah and what he's doing ultimately all over the world with our other partners.